about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of His saving fullness. More of His love who died for me. Thank you, Dave. It's good to have you and Bonnie back. That song is very, very important. More about Jesus. I want to caution you about something. And I've learned this at work. When people talk about God, but not Jesus, it's probably not the God that you're thinking of. Probably not. I work with a Muslim, and he is the nicest guy in the world, and lately he's been saying, God bless you. And I've got to remind myself, his God is not my God. If people start talking about God, bring the name of Jesus in. I want to really encourage you, bring the name of Jesus in. That will very quickly reveal who they worship. DJ, anybody remember DJ? Where's the name before? <laughs> I spoke to DJ this morning. DJ is now a trustee and allowed outside the building, which means he's, he can go outside and run if he wanted to. He's not going to. But uh, to be able to become a trustee that fast is very, very rare from what I understand. He has read the Bible through. How long has he been gone? About two weeks, two months. He's read the Bible through. But you notice there's not a period at the end of that. He's read the Bible through five times. How could that be? He's got a lot of time. A lot of time. When God gives us supply, He expects us to use it or give it. Use it or give it. Always remember that. Five times. He's preaching a sermon today. Woohoo! Okay? The title of it is Friends Don't Let Friends Miss Out on Meeting Jesus. DJ, from what I'm able to understand, actually teaches a class there in the jail. And uh, I told him, I said, listen, I said, DJ, when you took this plea agreement, I thought it was a mistake. I would have counseled you not to do it. But it looks to me like the Lord is using you very much inside, and I'm glad. I'm glad it's happening. Keep DJ in your prayer. Let's pray for him right now. Father, thank you for what you're doing through DJ. Thank you for what you're doing with DJ. Thank you for what you're doing in DJ. I pray that you'll bless him in his remaining months that he's there. I pray that you'll use him powerfully. I pray that there will be people that will never forget him. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Chronological study of the Bible continues with Proverbs 22, verse 16 is where we're at. Proverbs 22 and verse number 16. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches. Don't answer out loud. How is that possible? Don't answer out loud. How is it possible to increase your riches by oppressing the poor? You would think that the poor have nothing to offer. Believe it or not, the poor have a lot to offer. There's lots of people today getting rich off of the poor. How are they doing it? Interest rates is one of the primary things. I talked to my bank. I know I told you this before, but it still just amazes me. The local branch of my bank, the local branch of my bank has refunded a million dollars in fraud money. Just that one branch. 
they told me, and that's just this year. I said, well, how do you do it? I said, obviously you've got a vault, but it's going to run out. They said, what we get in interest, it's just a bump in the road. Bump in the road. Why pay interest? There's only one reason to pay interest. Impatience. That's the only reason. Just straight up impatience. Late fees. Now this one cuts the wool close to home for uh, the gas company because we're talking about starting to charge them again. There are people that say, oh, it's only $5. But you look at the number of times you pay that $5, that will make you poor. Another one, turn on fees. This one was one that, that uh, at the gas company we do every single one. I've got customers, folks, that will not pay a penny until they've been turned off which means they've got to add 50 to whatever the bill was. It doesn't make any sense to me. Overdraft charges. When I was talking to my bank, I said, um, you know, I've never paid you all a penny. She said, you're a very, very rare customer. I've never, I've been with them for years and years and years, but I've never overdrawn, I've never borrowed anything. They've just held my money and kept it available for me. And it's like, but there's so many people particularly the poor that feel like they have to do this stuff. I submit to you, we, we never, ever have to do any of these things. Worst of all is payday loans. That is absolutely by far the worst. Do not do that. Do not do it. I'm thinking of a five-letter word that starts with an A. I'm not going to call a business out, but this business is getting crazy wealthy because of payday loans. Don't do it. Don't help the people that are getting rich off the poor. Don't help them get rich. Do without until God provides. Psalm 23.1, which is the reason why I had Ray read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The only reason any of us would do any of these things is because we're saying God did not provide for me. Now that's some tough, tough stuff because there are some people, this is how they've always lived. They don't know any different. What we have to do is decide I'm going to let the power stay off. I'm going to let the phone stay off. It won't kill you. But once you get caught back up, start adding the amount of the stuff that you don't have to pay and you realize you've got way more money than you thought you ever had. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. Who gives to the rich? You notice I didn't say don't answer because I know nobody knows the answer to this, but there is people. There's surprisingly a lot of people that give to the rich. Some of your favorite companies give to the rich politicians. Watch this. Watch this. Often both sides. Yep. Both sides. Yep. Okay? To get favor from whoever wins. They don't care who wins. They support the politician. Whoever shows up, then they can come back and say, um, there's something I'd like for you to do for me. And that happens a lot. And it happens big big, big dollars using your money. Where do companies get money? By what you pay. 
A company doesn't actually create money. They look at companies as a, as a money-making machine. No, it's not. They simply entice you to bring your money there and then they do something with your money. Ask yourself, what are they doing with my money and do I want to help them do that? Verse 17. Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise. Very, very important. Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise. At this point, Solomon changes writing styles. Right here in the middle of Proverbs 22, he changes writing styles. In 1445, 2400 years after Solomon penned this, Mordecai and Nathan divided the Hebrew Old Testament into chapters and verses. If I was him, I would have made this the next chapter. I'm not him. He's not perfect. Your chapter verse divisions are a good map. If I want to get you to Proverbs 22:17, they're wonderful. But don't depend on them to find out when the thought chart starts and stops. The, the, a lot of times it will confuse you a lot, particularly in the book of Song of Solomon. Bow down thy ear and hear words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. He says, my knowledge. Solomon set these Proverbs in order, but he did not necessarily write them. And some suspect he didn't write any of them. He's already given his wisdom, and now he's quoting others, but he's putting them in his collection. He's giving his, um, uh, um, not authority, he's, his uh, endorsement. He's giving them his endorsement. That being said, there's going to be a lot of repetition. There's going to be a lot of things that's already been said, but said in a different way. Okay, That's not a bad thing. It's not an indication that a different writer is writing, as some think. Some people think that Solomon only wrote a certain part. Some people think Paul, Solomon had nothing to do with it at all. All right. If Solomon had nothing to do with this, then God lied when he said, I'm going to preserve my word. Okay, this is absolutely Solomon's authority. He's quoting other people and admitting he's quoting other people. This is going to be important shortly. Verse 18. It's a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee. What? These wise sayings of the wise. Keep these things with you. I believe Solomon here is saying it's not just Solomon. Why is that important? There is wisdom that's not readily available in the book of Proverbs. But we have to understand how to identify it. If it's in Proverbs, we've already shown that we've got to study it or else we may misunderstand what's said there. But also, in wisdom that's not in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is a good guideline to, to gauge whether it's actual wisdom or not. Okay? Don't assume that anything not in the Bible is necessarily evil. It's not. Okay? The Bible is a plumb line. Okay? Plumb line always goes straight. Always. Okay? Scripture lets us know if something is straight or not. Ready to share with others is what he's saying here. They shall withal be fitted in thy lips. Ready to share with others. This is something as Christians, the devil has lied to us and we have believed the lie. We believe that it's the preacher's job to be ready to share with others. It's everyone's job to be ready to share with others. True. Everyone's job. Okay? 
That being said, if a question is asked, should we make up an answer? Of course not. Don't make up an answer. So how are you ready to share with others if you don't know the answer? That's the big question. That's the scary part. What do I say when I don't know what to say? Okay? Very simple. You know what? I don't know. But if you'll give me a day, I'll find out. And then actually go back with the answer. Now, people hear this type of thing all the time. I don't know, but I'll tell you later. And they never come back. Okay? Don't tell them you're going to come back if you don't or if you're not going to come back. But they shall with all be fitted in thy lips. You'll be surprised after the same question has been asked twice, you'll now have that one stuck. You'll know that answer. You'll know it. And there's certain questions that people will give you a lot. And it'll shock you. One thing that really surprises me is how few people in our society know their Bible stories. It amazes me how many people tell me about an event, they use a Bible story to compare it to, and the Bible story is actually three different stories mixed together. It happens all the time. Why do they feel safe in doing that? Because they know that I'm not going to judge them, I'm not going to yell at them, I'm not going to embarrass them. But I do try to take whatever they've given me and say, hey, listen, can I show you a little something? Just very loving, very kind. I don't ever want to be mean. I just don't. It doesn't serve any purpose to be mean. And a lot of Christians just, just play mean. We're right, you're wrong, and I got no time for you. That's, that is the wrong attitude. Very gently, very lovingly, share the next step. Share the next truth. Don't overwhelm them. Don't think you've got to teach them the whole Bible. It's not going to happen, okay? Probably, out of any encounter that we have with other people, it's just like any sermon that you hear. Probably they're going to remember one thing. Probably just one thing they're going to remember. So, so make that thing important. But give them something. If we're not careful, we have a conversation, we've walked away, and there's been absolutely nothing about God or Jesus or the Bible or even morality for that matter. Nothing at all. That's a totally wasted opportunity. 19 continues the thought that thy trust may be in the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but trusting in God is something a lot of Christians have a lot of difficulty with. Because God tends to do things differently than we want them done. And a whole lot of times he does them way more slowly than we want them done. So for us to sit back and trust that he's going to handle it correctly has to admit that what I'm thinking of is probably not going to happen. Now there are those that teach that if you've got enough faith, anything will happen. Anything that God wants will happen, but He's not going to sit down and obey you just because you've got enough faith. You're, he's not a dog that responds to commands. But how do we trust in the Lord? Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise. As we experience the words of the wise, we will understand that God's word is absolutely dependable, leading us to trust in Him. I want to encourage you, when you pray, 
whenever you make a request, always end it with, but thank you that you're smarter than me. End it with those words. Thank you that you're smarter than me. That will develop patience more than anything else. At least it has with me. I'm a very, very impatient person. But I'm aware that God knows more than I do. And so when I make a request, it's like, Lord, thank you that you are... Julio, Alan, in Utah, surrounded by Mormons. By the way, you know what there's more of in Utah than Mormons? I thought Utah was only Mormons. Non-believers outnumber Mormons by far. Just people who are not religious at all. They don't believe in any God. There's way more of them in, in Utah. The, 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 the Mormon founders, if they had an idea of what Utah would look today, I don't think they would have founded it. I really don't. They, they wanted it to be a place where this is Mormon, and it's not. It's a place where there's a lot of Mormons, a place where there's a lot of Mormon churches, but no, it's, it's not anywhere near a Mormon state at all. How did I get off on that? Julio. Julio. When I pray about Julio being in the middle of that Mormon stronghold, and in a bigger stronghold of just lack of spirituality whatsoever, I say, thank you, God, that you know what you're doing. God could have stopped him from going to Utah. God could bring him home. God could open his heart like he opened the heart of Lydia. Could. God is too smart to do what I tell him to do. So when I pray for Julio, I always say, thank you, God, for whatever it is you are doing. Help me to trust you that thy trust may be in the Lord. When we develop this, and I think that experience has a lot to do with the development. When we finally develop this, we're going to begin to relax in life. That's when life gets good, in my opinion. When I can relax, even though there's problems going on around me. That thy trust may be in the Lord, I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge, that I may, may, might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth? I think Psalm is referencing the previous part of the book. He's now adding to the words of the wise. Or this could be a, a wise person saying this, and Solomon is just quoting him. That thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. This is the purpose of wisdom. Yes, he did. Verse 22 begins the next thought. It changes thoughts. Typically in Solomon's writing, you get two lines in a verse. And it changes, changes, changes. We found out in our studies that a lot of times they, they, they feed off of each other. But here it's, it's going to be longer sections, but then it's going to change directions. Rob not the poor because he is poor. Is that the reason to not rob the poor? The rich are not poor. Can we rob them? Sounds good to me. I got it. <laughs> For the record, this just rubs people the wrong way. When we vote for someone who's going to make the rich pay their fair share mm -hmm. without finding out if they're paying their fair share already, when we just assume they're not paying their fair share, 
and we vote for somebody to get more out of them, that right there is robbing. It's robbing the rich. But we think they can afford it. Never forget to the rest of the world, we are the rich. Okay, you guys are from Sherlock. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. They think all Americans are rich. And they would love to take from all Americans, which is why they feel justified in all the scamming that goes on from Americans. Rob not the poor because he is poor and can't defend himself is what the implication is. A rich man has more resources. He has often the ear of officials. He has um, maybe his own private security. He has some withal to defend himself. The poor have nothing to defend themselves. Think of a homeless person that's asleep and everything they own is right there. Okay? But that also goes into the widow who everything she has is in her house. That also goes to the, the uh, single mother. That also goes to even a lot of times in the case of men. Okay? It's easy to take advantage of people. How? Interest rates, turn on fees, all this other kind of stuff. It's real easy to do. We've got to be careful when it comes to the poor. That being said, and I, I, this is so important, we have to identify why they're poor. If they're prodigals, God is using their lack to get them to change. Okay, God doesn't want us just giving to the poor, but he definitely does not want us robbing the poor. Neither oppress the afflicted in the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause. Who wants God for an enemy? I submit to you a lot of Christians have God for an enemy. Therefore, you're cursed with a curse. A lot of people's finances are cursed by God. Cursed. Because they won't even try. They won't even try to give Him what's His. Whether you believe in tithing or not, a lot of poor people think, I can't afford it. And that's saying, God, you have not provided me anything to give you. And I submit to you, God's cursed their finances. And it's an endless cycle because it feeds on itself. I can't, I can't, I can't, and you always won't. On the other hand, when you say, God, I know this is what you want me to do. I need your help. Your word says that you're going to help me. That will develop your faith. That will develop your trust. You might not ever be wealthy. I can tell you this. No one considers himself wealthy. No one does. The man with the, all the money in the world thinks he needs the money on Mars. It's just they, they, there's not enough of anything for anybody. So don't feel like I'm going to be comfortable. That's never going to happen. But we don't have to do without because the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want if I am wanting only two reasons either number one he lied or I'm using what he did provide in the wrong way that's the only two possibilities let's put God to the test let's make him our friend not just our enemy for the Lord will please their cause and spoil the souls of those that spoil them. To be safe, folks, don't rob or oppress anybody. Just don't. It's not a good idea. In our society, 
we hate people who take advantage of others unless the others are rich. For some reason, we love Robin Hood. Robin Hood's fine. We don't care about Robin Hood. Let, Robin is doing something good with what he takes. No, there's no such thing as doing good with something that's stolen. Just don't steal from anybody. <clears throat> Learn to live with what God has given us. Forget jealousy. Learn to live with what God has given us. A good rule of thumb, don't compare what I have to Wade or to Chuck or to Jason. Compare what I have to what Jesus had. Okay, You compare yourself to Jesus, you're going to feel rich in a hurry. Trust me, that's going to happen. Who wants God for an enemy? Uh, obvious question for that. Verse 24, make no friendship with an angry man. Duh. Make no friendship with an angry man. With a furious man thou shalt not go. He says it twice, or whoever the writer is says it twice. Solomon agrees with it. He adds it into his collection. Make no friendship with an angry man. With a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Why would I hang out with an angry person? Because they've got power that I don't have. I'm going to use their anger to benefit me. Um, there's a saying that anger is more productive than despair. And if you can get someone to have a common enemy with you, now you've got a friend and you haven't earned anything, you can get, show them a common enemy. Anger is not productive. It's not helpful. But a lot of people use angry people. They just use them. Because a lot of times, if I can get with you and then let you do the dirty work, then I'm going to benefit some way from it. He's saying, don't do it at all. Because you'll become just like him. you become just like him. We become like those we surround ourselves with. Yep. But don't take that too far because Jesus hung out with prostitutes and sinners. Jesus didn't become like them. He made them to be like him. I need to influence others, not the other way around. As soon as someone else is beginning to influence me, as soon as I'm depending on someone else's relationship to get me something I want, I need to back off from it. Because at that point, they're becoming an idol. They're becoming someone who provides for me instead of God providing for me, and we don't want that. But folks, stay away from angry people. They are dangerous, absolutely dangerous. We become like those we surround ourselves with. This is easy to see in the lives of others. We recognize it readily in the lives of others, but hard to see in our own life. Why was I concerned about DJ going to jail? I wasn't so concerned about what was going to happen there. I was concerned that he would learn to be like them. And when I talk to him and find out they're learning to be like him, that's exciting. That's a good thing. That's a very, very good thing. Had Jesus not come to the earth, he would not have been influenced by sinners, but he would not have saved anybody either. Okay? We need to reach out to these people, but do not let them influence us. Am I becoming like them? It's easy to see in the life of someone else. Ask someone at church. Ask them at church.
if you were God and you wanted to motivate me to the next thing, what would you say? This is a good question to ask another church member. What would you say? Ironically, this is not a hard question because people had this opinion of us that it seems to be the only thing they can see. Certain individuals, they are like this, but they don't know they're like this. And so this person comes to another individual and says, if you were God and you were going to motivate me to do something to make a change, what would it be? Instantly the answer comes. Okay? Be very careful, be very kind, but this is very productive. Am I becoming like those that I don't want to be like? Once again, Jesus by far the best example. He hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors who wanted to improve, and that's the difference. That is the difference. He hung out with people who wanted to improve. He avoided the Pharisees and Sadducees. You ever notice that? He avoided the powerful religious people. If I was Jesus and I wanted to preach to a large number of people, I would be very tempted to go to a Pharisee because he's already got a crowd. I'd be very tempted. I might even slip a few things in there that the Pharisee wouldn't like, but it would serve a better purpose. Jesus avoided them altogether. He recognized these are not good people. They're not trying to improve. They're not interested in learning anything. They simply want to use what they can get. On the other hand, tax collectors and prostitutes, they were very, very aware of what they had become, and they didn't like it. I submit to you, very, 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 if not all, people caught up in addictive sin, very, very few of them want to be like they are. Very few of them. They just don't know how to get out. That's why it's so important we don't start in the first place. Just don't try it. But in our world, I'm not even going to ask you because I'd be afraid of the answer. Okay? How many people do we know that's tried marijuana even though it's illegal? Okay? It's hard to find a person that hasn't tried marijuana. By the way, I've never tried marijuana because I, I don't want to be addicted to that. I have tried hamburgers and that's, that didn't work out so good. Okay? But um, uh, you, you get my point. He avoided the Pharisees and Sadducees even though he might have been able to use them because they were not interested in improving. We have to search for people who are interested in improving. And I'm so thankful that DJ has found a group of them. I don't think for one second that everybody in the, the jail is, is a good person. I don't think they would be there if they were good people. But DJ has an open window, an open door available to him. Keep him in prayer. Keep him in prayer. The Pharisees want to say the same. Okay. Wanting to stay the same will make a person angry. Wanting to stay the same will make a person angry. I submit to you this is why so many people in church get angry and they just work really hard to cover it. 
They work really hard not to let anybody know, but he's really making me upset. Ben Glover, who is the pastor at Park Ridge, regularly does this to me. He'll say something, and it'll make me angry because it's like, wait a second. That means I've got to change this little thing. And so my immediate reaction is to get angry at him. Wanting to stay the same will make a person angry because God wants growth. God doesn't want us to stay the same. He doesn't want anybody to just stay the same. He wants us making positive progress. Okay? The, the, the prodigal son, when he's way over here, as soon as he takes the first step, he's closer to God than most Christians will ever be. It's sad, but it's true. Most Christians, they're right here. They're not way over there, but they're not making positive progress, are they? What is the next step? What is the next step? When we hear a sermon uh, that makes us angry, instead of getting angry, say, God, what is it you want me to do with this? A lot of times it's nothing. It's just the way it was presented rubbed you the wrong way. Take it to God's Word and match it against the plumb line and see if what he is saying actually holds any water. If it does, what is the next step? God, what do you want me to do with this? And then decide I'm going to take just one step in the right direction. Just one. That will bring a feeling of accomplishment like you can't believe. And it's just one step in the right direction. Just one. Growth requires change. Stepping in the right direction requires change. 26. Be not one of them that strike hands or them that are sureties for debts. Don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. What is this verse talking about? Don't answer. What is this verse talking about? Be not one of them that strike hands or of them that are sureties for debts. I hope that's easy because Solomon's covered this four times now. Already covered. Over and over and over. Co-signing again? Okay, folks, this is likely written by a wise person who agreed with Solomon. Solomon includes this wise saying from this wise person in his collection of Proverbs that he wants distributed throughout Israel and ultimately to us. Anyone who has ever co-signed, and I hope you're not one. If you got kids, you probably are. Anyone who has ever co-signed agrees with Solomon. Just don't do it. Don't do it. 27. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? Very, very important statement. If thou hast nothing to pay. If I'm co-signing, I'm trusting that the person who has the debt is going to pay it, so why do I need to have anything to pay? Think of that thing through. The person who actually signing up, the, the primary, says, I'm going to pay it. You won't have to do anything. Just sign your day. You don't have to do anything. But he's saying, what if you as the co-signer have nothing to pay? This is why we never co-sign. It becomes our loan. It becomes our loan. If it's wrong for me to owe, it's also wrong for me to help someone else. Oh, it's not about trust. It's about 
only God being able to control the future. That's what it's about. We don't know what God is going to do next year. COVID hurt financially many people way more than physically because they had to have every single paycheck and a lot of those paychecks stopped. Just stopped. It still amazes me. Disney shut down for four months. You know the longest Disney was ever shut down before COVID? One day. One day, and that's including hurricanes. Okay? One day. Then they shut down for four months. That flow of money stops. All those employees suddenly they're furloughed. But what about the ones who have guaranteed a loan or guaranteed somebody else's loan? Next thing you know, I have nothing to pay, but I've got the responsibility. I cannot guarantee what tomorrow holds, much less next year or five years from now. A lot of these loans, they last for years and years and years. I'm co-signing, they'll pay it. You don't know that. You just don't know. I'll help them if they need help. You don't know that you're going to be able to. Just don't do it. Who can help them? Point them to Him. Who is going to have enough when the time comes? Point them to Him. Develop that relationship, and it's amazing the good that can come out of these situations if we just simply respond to them correctly. I think we got time for one more. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. <clears throat> Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. In our lifetime, GPS surveying has been developed, and before that, we depended on landmarks. GPS surveying, we use it at the gas company. I know exactly where every meter, every valve, every everything in the entire system is at based on GPS locating. It's on a map. I can tab that map, and I will get directions to it. There might not be any landmarks around it, but I know that right here below the ground is a valve. Why is that important? Well, years ago, where Dad and Ramona live right now, a tornado came through and just decimated the place. Okay? Several of our meters were sucked out of the ground and we still haven't found them, which left gas open and blowing. It blew for four days because we didn't know where the valves were. So how could that be? We never needed to know where the valves were. Okay, now because of GPS surveying, I can point it and be there just as fast as I can drive. Okay, that's the norm today, but they used to use landmarks, a local fixed object that you could then say it's this far from that object. When I owned a house, uh, the property line was based on distance from the house. So I had to start at the edge of the house and measure out a certain number of feet, that's where the property line was. I thought, that doesn't make any sense. What if the house moves? Houses don't move. In that same tornado, the houses actually got moved. Moved. At that point, where's the property line? Doesn't make any sense. Some landmarks were small because there were no landmarks. I'll give you an example. Imagine out in the desert. There's no trees. There's nothing but cactus. The big cactus, everybody knows where the big cactus is at, so you can use that as a landmark. Hoping that the big cactus never falls over, but if it does, then we'll just change where the landmark is at. 
In here, these people are removing the landmark of purpose. <clears throat> Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Some were small and could possibly be moved, making your property someone else's by law. By law. Because the, the, the property line is based on distance from the landmark. The landmark moves, so your property moves. It would be very hard to prove who owns what. And I submit to you a lot of times it was hard to prove what was what. The implication is that God will defend the victim. That's the implication. It doesn't come right out and say it, but I think that the context is very clear. You don't want God for your enemy. Would we be considered landmark Baptists? Don't answer. Don't answer. This morning, I was on sermon audio just looking at different things that are there. And there are several churches called Landmark Baptist Church. Number one, what is that and are we one? What is a Landmark Baptist Church? A Landmark Baptist Church believes <clears throat> there was a man sent from God whose name was John, the same came baptizing, giving him the only authority in the world to baptize. Okay? John baptized Jesus, giving Jesus the authority to baptize. The Great Commission, Jesus then gave the authority to his church. Go ye therefore teach all this baptizing them. So the authority is passed from John to Jesus, now to the church. A landmark Baptist believes that every church following has to be authorized by the previous church. I can't just go start a group down there and baptize. It doesn't work. I don't have the authority to do it. I've got to have a previous church give its authority to baptize. That's a landmark Baptist church. There's other things to it, but that's the primary thing. Are we a landmark Baptist church? Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. You know what else is a landmark, but not a Baptist? Catholics. They're landmarkers. How could that be? What other men have said, they hold to because other men have said it. Okay? Landmarks can have a negative uh, result as well. We've got to make sure that our landmark is in fact <coughs> accurate. What is the true landmark? Scripture. That's the true landmark. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings, and he shall not stand before mean men. These are two reasons to think about Proverbs. Not just read them, but actually think about what's going on. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. If the good company doesn't appeal to us, if the good company does not appeal to us, avoiding the bad company surely will. What does it take? It takes being diligent. Diligent in what? Diligent in whatever it is. Particularly, I believe, the scripture. But if you want to be diligent in business, get around people who know what they're doing and, and do what they do. Using Scripture as the landmark to keep you from going over the line. Following his new writing style, these verses go together. Following his new writing style, these verses go together. You may not see this, but this is what I see. Could he be saying, don't let, using diligence, our landmark make us mean? Could he be saying that? Don't let 
our landmark make us mean. We got to share it in love. We got to share it, not force it. I don't know what you guys believe. I hope that I've not been mean. I hope that I've shared what we believe, but I hope that I've not made you feel threatened. There have been times I've seen people in the first hour of, of a service get up and leave because they don't want to sit through the second hour. I've seen that several times. I don't ever want, I don't want to be that person. I just don't. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserve, preserving your word. Thank you for Jesus living your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. Thank you for your patience with me. Please help me be patient with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.